In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us give thanks and pray. Dear Father, we ask that tonight that Thy work would be done, and Thy will would be done in our midst here tonight. And we ask, dear Father, that Thou would open the Word tonight, so that each one here would receive a portion, that portion that Thou would see is best. We all come here with different thoughts and different hearts. And dear Father, we need Thee to divide the word for us so that it would fit for the oldest and all the way to the youngest. And we know through our life, dear Father, that this is how it has been, that we have received from Thy Holy Word that which has been good and beneficial for us and that has even sustained us even unto this day. We remember from our youth how we have heard thy word. Sometimes it has come from our parents, and for this we thank thee, dear Father, that thou hast given unto us Christian parents to teach us and to bring us forward in this life. We thank thee for the Sunday school that thou hast given for us to even teach us even more, and we thank thee most of all for the preaching of thy word. That word that has come forth in, in purity and in great power to even break our stony heart and to lead us to repentance and to also to receive of that sweet grace that thou hast given unto us. When even we have heard what Jesus has done for us on the center cross of Calvary so that even tonight we can be thy children thy holy children, covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ for us. Even though we are sinners, sinners, and black from head to foot in ourselves, but thou hast made us clean and white and righteous and pure, and promised unto us eternal life, and not only for some time in the future, but for even for today. And for this we thank thee, dear Heavenly Father, that thou hast made us eternal beings, and thou hast given us a soul that will live forever. And all that it would be for each one of us here tonight, dear Father, that we would all be saved and we would be taken from this life and brought unto that home in heaven above. Be with those, dear Father, that is in trouble tonight, and those that are in sorrow, and those that are in great doubts and fears, and also those who are yet journey tonight with a burdened conscience. Those that yet walk in unbelief, draw them in before it is too late. Be with those that need comfort in this life. And also bless our country. And bless our land. Bless our town. Bless our congregation. Be with us with thy Holy Spirit. And when we look forward, even in our country, to the election that is coming up, we ask for thy guidance in this. And may it be, dear Father, that Thou would bless our land, that we would not be cursed for our sins, but that Thou would be patient with us and bless us and guide us so that we would do even Thy will and that Thy will would be done. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The next song is 206. Thank you. 
thoughts and words that they may all be in accordance to his word and to the benefit of his people and to the glory of his name. I first want to share some thoughts that keep uh, coming to me over the last few weeks seems that whenever I'm not busy my thoughts turn to the passing of life in general and the passing of a dear friend I don't remember other than the death of my own father having a passing of someone near and dear to me has such an effect. We lost, uh, it'll be two weeks Saturday, 
our neighbor up the lake. Many of you have had occasion to meet and to speak and to know Don Beckner. A very unusual man as men go. A very kind and helpful and caring person. Don became a burden on my own heart. I wanted so much for him to comprehend the matters of faith that it's almost painful. You know, the burden that came upon me and how I wanted so hard and so much for him to be acceptable to God because he was so near and dear to me. For those of you who don't, haven't known him or met him, he was, he was a man of extreme intelligence. Before his teens, back in uh, Lancaster, Mass., his inventive mind devised a method of putting electric lights in his house, in the farmhouse, his family farmhouse. I think it was, uh, I've heard as young as 10, but certainly no older than 12. He harnessed the power of a, of a brook on the property to turn a water wheel that turned an old motor that he created a generator out of. And uh, 20 years before REA, the Rural Electrification Act, brought power to much of rural America, for 20 years, his ingenuity lit their farmhouse. When he first had the idea, he was scoffed and laughed, and his older brothers and siblings made fun of him. And when he first turned the power on, the lights were so dim, you could hardly say they were lit. But he didn't give up. He carried on and uh, wrote to Westinghouse, found out the problem was low voltage, and a kind president of Westinghouse sent him a supply of 70-volt light bulbs, and the house was bright. Typical fashion, his whole life demonstrated the same ingenuity and, and inventiveness. He was one of the foremost steam engineers in America. His hobbies uh, included building steam locomotives of small scale, and he thrilled at giving kids rides on, on those little locomotives. He had steamboat. Some of you had a ride on him. I certainly have. Such uh, were his skills and his abilities and his intelligence. But regardless of how smart, great, how inventive, how ingenious are the processes of men. They all pass. And, and tonight I pose the question to myself and to you, how close is the end for all of us? We don't have to have great age like he was in his mid-80s. Death is not a respecter of the clock. It does not watch the calendar. And when it beckons, we don't have a choice to answer. It could be that this day, for one of us, or for all of us, could be the last day that we see the natural sun and when the morning breaks it could break onto a new day that lasts forever in considering the end of time whether it be our own individually or the end of all time for humans we stand then before a God, who is righteous, 
who has these demands are we ready are we comfortable in his sight if we're called before his presence can we go with confidence that righteous God is also merciful and if our hearts tremble at the prospect know that there is grace for us in Don's passing I also came face to face with the knowledge of my own lack as much as I would have liked to uh, and needed for myself and I know God's ways are above our ways and past finding out as scripture says I would have liked to have some certain sign that Don comprehended grace and I would have for my own part loved to help him reach that comprehension but it seemed that when I was in his presence the words were stiff and the mind confused as to how how could I how could I make him understand or see and like in all things I find myself wanting and certainly wished I could have played a bigger role in that and the last time I saw him we spoke and talked and it was a nice conversation we sang many songs and some of which he requested and he sat there with tears running down his face and mouthing the words that he knew and it was a it was a good time but like I said for myself I would have liked some more definite feeling that Don was God's child and worthy of heaven but I was left to just plead with Jesus ask God to be merciful and commit him to to that care and keeping knowing that that that's the best place to leave him so tonight I ask that God's children remember his widow who's left all alone now Doris and if you do have occasion to uh, go up to Winnipesaukee I would uh, offer our house next door to theirs and ask that you visit and, and visit with Doris and, and ease the pain of her loneliness and help her bear the loss of a husband of 60 years. And for me, I can say that he's the best neighbor I ever had. He was helpful and pleasant in, in our every every meeting and every conversation and taught me by his own example how a neighbor and a friend should be I thank God for I thank God for uh, the time we spent and, and the example that he was to me personally seems that uh, so much of, of uh, our lives and the attributes that we respect and admire and often emulate in our own lives and, and maybe even covet are contrary to, uh, to what God's ways are and the example of, of Christ is and most of scripture seems like the Bible says that it is uh, above and beyond the mind of man it is hard for us to believe even though scripture says it that it is better to be in the house of mourning than the house of laughter it is hard for us to understand that by the sadness of the heart is the countenance made glad and likewise 
things that the Bible attributes to to spirit and, and godliness and the example of Christ are are certainly crosswise to our flesh. I'd like to read uh, for a short meditation the word of God as it's recorded in a very familiar place and that's in the fifth chapter of Galatians where it speaks of what we as God's creation what we as those living Christians the acts and deeds that we should demonstrate in our lives reading in in Jesus name from Galatians 5:22 through to the end of the chapter but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. When I looked at this passage, The first thing that that struck me was how I've so often misquoted this this uh, verse. Instead of saying the fruit of the spirit is, I've often quoted and said the fruits of the spirit are. And it struck me that there's significance to the singular rather than the plural, in that the fruit isn't complete if some of these are missing. And it is singular. If we are in the Spirit and our actions are fruit of the Spirit, then none of these are contrary. They're all appropriate. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. They're singular, and they're all fruit of the Spirit. We can't take part out. We can't divide the word and say that we can have peace without love or joy we can have goodness without faith that when the spirit of God is in us and working in us then it is complete and love is listed first I don't think it's by accident and uh, I marvel at how consistent God's word is and leads us in the same direction. Speaking of love or charity, as it's written in the attributes fall similar. Charity suffereth long, is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, the consistency is there. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I had a question in my mind whether some of these words actually were fit or, or meant what I thought they meant. And the word that surprised me the most probably was meekness. 
you know, to me, meekness is uh, is spineless, scared, afraid to act or take a stance. And I said, is that really what it means? So I went to the dictionary, I looked it up, and the first definition given in the dictionary, just Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, says enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. It's not weak, it's strong. To be meek is to be strong. And it's true of so many things in our lives that the reaction that we view as strong often, and I'm sure it affects us men more than it does women, is uh, aggressive, strong, violent, loud, and we view these as as manly, and uh, it's a witness of of strength and aggressiveness. I have witnessed men putting feet through doors and and uh, fists through walls, and you know that people are talked about with maybe fear, ad- admiration, but. What requires more strength, you know, to uh, suffer patiently, long, fruit of the Spirit here is long-suffering. Long-suffering is defined as as long and patient endurance of offense, long-suffering. When things don't go our way, what is our reaction? Is it in the spirit? Can we tolerate offense? Can we suffer injury without resentment? In our work life, men, again, I ask you because your lives are more familiar to my own and more like my own. When things don't go right, do we uh, react in the spirit, or is there a deed of the flesh that comes forth? And it is easy to uh, to let the old Adam, the old man, rise in us and and affect our actions. How often do we? even in our home life with our wives or children, how often do we be something besides gentle, good, peaceable, temperate, and easily excuses come. I've had a bad day, things didn't go right, I'm not feeling too well, and rather than express regret or sorrow over our actions, we excuse ourselves with a reason. And when we excuse ourselves for such reasons as we consider appropriate, whether we're not feeling well, we've had a bad day, things have gone poorly, whatever our reason or excuse is, and it becomes habitual, we're prone to do it more and more and more. The Spirit speaks to us tonight and asks us to consider our lives, even in our everyday home life. And I ask myself, and I direct your thoughts to asking yourself is that are the fruits of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit? Again, I find myself 
is the fruit of the Spirit, is it active, is it present in your life? Temperance, you know, temperance is most often associated with with appetite for alcohol or liquor. There's been temperance societies, but temperance is, is moderation in, in all the things that move, in our actions, in our speech, in our appetites, in our passions, the fruit of the Spirit urges us on to temperance, control, discipline, and there in every respect of our lives. And it says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. If we are Christ, then the reaction that comes naturally to us in times of distress, injury, offense, if we are Christ, like Christ did, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He suffered to the death of the cross so that we might have life. We are urged to follow his example, and it starts in the little things in our lives. Crucify the flesh. Those things that are of the flesh, anger, wrath, malice, envy, as well as uh, acts of greed and lust, and we're asked to control them. If we are Christ, then we keep these things in subjection. And it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Exercise yourselves unto godliness. The old uh, little saying that before we let our anger lose count to ten. It can be appropriate in in almost every conversation. If we are having an unpleasant conversation, an argument, a disagreement, I think that occasion in itself, it would be good for us to not answer quickly. If it's with our family members, if it's at work, if it's with a customer, if it's in a discussion with a fellow Christian and there seems to be a disagreement or, or a reason to disagree, I would think it'd be really good for all of us to just don't answer quickly. Count to the ten, figurative ten in our minds and contemplate our words before we release them. I think, uh, again, the Bible is consistent in in saying that the uh, tongue is the evil that none of us can contain. And if we answer quickly, chances are that we'll answer outside the spirit and fleshly uh, feelings will be expressed and they will bring forth a reaction that's in kind and... and then things escalate and, and no good comes of it. I am sure that every family situation and every marriage relationship would be enhanced if we could demonstrate that we are Christ and that His Spirit is alive and active in us and if we could so do, then we reap the blessings of the Spirit and we enjoy the fruit that is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, most of us have a desire to be right. And if there is a disagreement, we'll often aggressively support our own position and understanding. 
and often to no benefit of either us or those that we strive with. And it says, let us not be desirous of vainglory. Vainglory often is the desire of us to be right or in a position of strength or correctness. And it says we shouldn't provoke one another. If we know something's going to cause a problem, let's avoid it. And the heart of Christ, again, is that not one should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. It should also be our heart that those that we journey with here, that we'd want every one of them, everyone to enjoy enjoy the benefits of, of eternity and the benefits of heaven. And there's no need then if we all have the same goal and the same prize that we need to contend or envy the other. It's fruits of the Spirit, you know, in Christ's sermon, even on the Mount, Again, there's a consistency when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Often, the attributes that we express and possess are so contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. I ask that God would uh, weigh these matters on our heart, would impress us, you know, with the benefits of, of living by His Word, and that Jesus would visit our hearts and show us what His own heart is. I've often thought how how he told me and he tells us, give me your weakness, here is my strength. You know, give me your want, here is my all in all. And it would be hard for me, you know, to, to express the same thought. And, you know, again, my experience with Don helped me to understand my own heart, how I would have liked to say, Don, Give me your unbelief and here take faith. If you could look at a dying person, maybe, maybe afflicted with uh, terminal cancer, and you as a healthy man, could you tell him, give me your sickness, give me your sickness, take my health? I think that some of us as parents, when we watched our infant children suffer with earaches or headaches, we have had that kind of a heart that we could say, give me your hurt, let me bear your hurt. The heart of Christ is that heart that says, give me your death and take my life. And he says that to each of us tonight, give me your death, take my life. In me there's life and life everlasting. Give me your sin, here's forgiveness, and here's new life. Jesus reaches out tonight, and his voice is strong, and he says, Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it's a rest that's eternal. The troubles of man are many. Often, we as God's children hide even from each other the burdens and cares and troubles of our life. Death can be staring us in the face and we can be scared as all get out and yet we find it hard to open up. We can be fighting with each other at home, husbands and wives, a struggle that's almost impossible to, to bear and to carry on we can come and put on a face and sit side by side in church and speak nothing of our trouble. We can be worried about our children and we try to put on a brave front. And it seems that God's children have become closed 
You know, we close our hearts from each other and we close our troubles and hide our troubles and we pretend to be strong and it's to our hurt. And often it's such that we don't know who to turn to or who to talk to or who is our friend. I tell you tonight that Jesus is your friend. If you're walking with troubles, whether they be fear of death, trouble in your life, sin, financial worry, these things are common to all men. And there's help to ease our burden. If you're worried over your children, Jesus has control of them and they are in God's hands. And if we're carrying a heavy load, a natural way, how much easier it is if we ask our brother, can you help me carry this? There is help sitting beside each of us often. Let's not be timid to share with each other the cares and as many hands make work light, many hearts sharing and carrying the trouble and burdens of life make it more bearable and tolerable. Let's reach out to each other, let's help each other on the road to heaven, and God grant that His Word would be a comfort to us, and that His Word is direction in our lives and points the way to a easier road that can take us at last beyond this veil of trouble to a place where there is no need anymore for the battle against this flesh and the cares of this life. We ask God's direction and His help and His keeping to a beneficial end in glory for us all. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, as we enter the night, night watch, we ask your guarding hand over us all. Keep our children safe from the natural cares, from injury, from hurt, from sickness. Protect mothers and fathers. Be with grandparents and great-grandparents this night. Cause a peace to fill our hearts. Cause a longing for the homeland. Comfort the weary and the lonely. Bring health to the sick. Bring direction to the confused. Bring help as it is needed to all of your children. Lord, bless us and keep us. Lord, make thy face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. Lord, lift thy countenance upon us. Sunday morning at 9.15, there'll be Sunday school here at the church. And then at 10.30, our Sunday service, and a service at 7 o'clock in the evening on Sunday. In closing tonight, we'll sing song number 210, and during the singing of this song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.